Let's jump right in. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're going to be in James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We're going to be in James 1, 2 through 4. So go ahead and let's get there. Hey, as by way of kind of intro as we get into the message for today, man, we're in this series finishing up today called How to Survive a Train Wreck. And I think most of us in some way would say that 2020 can be described as a train wreck. Man, so so much has happened, right? Weren't planned for, couldn't prepare for it, right? I mean, it has been the craziest year. And one thing that happens in a train wreck is it stops you from moving forward. Like, like that's, not, that's not genius right there. It stops us from moving forward. We get that, it's obvious. And listen, we've stopped in a lot of ways, right? Travel stopped, job stopped, school stopped, sports stopped. Going to the gym stopped, the salon stopped, right? Man, going to the movies stopped, going to people's houses stopped, and so much more has stopped. A lot of things have stopped for you, right? We just stopped. And it feels a little bit like our lives are just kind of stuck in limbo, man. We're just waiting, just waiting for the cases to trend down, waiting for schools to get back to normal, waiting for travel to open up, waiting to go to a restaurant, right? Waiting to go to a movie, waiting for a vaccine, right, so we can move forward. And because we're waiting on so many levels, we can, we can feel paralyzed, right? Man, because we don't know exactly what's gonna happen next, we, we, we can't move. We feel like we're just stuck in limbo going nowhere. And it feels like there are things beyond our control that are holding us back, keeping us from moving forward. But what if, what if even a train wreck couldn't stop you? What if when train wrecks and trials and storms come in our lives, they actually provide the greatest opportunity for progress. Man, man, I believe in the middle of our greatest difficulties, God can do His greatest work. Like, let me say this again. In the middle of our greatest difficulties, God can do His greatest work. And this is an opportunity for that. Listen, I want to talk today about how to be transformed through a train wreck. How can we be transformed through a train wreck. Listen, I know I'm talking to people today having a hard time, man. I know that many of you on a lot of different levels are having some train wreck moments. You've shed a lot of tears. You've had some sleepless nights. You've had a lot of anxiety-filled days. For some, it's been recent, or maybe for some, the storm clouds have just been gathering for years. And we need to know how God wants to transform us through the train wreck. Hey, let me pray before we get into our text today. God, we know you're a God who's faithful, man. We have, we've worshiped to those words today. And God, we know that you're a God who wants to come through and a God who's good. Lord, I pray for those who are listening and watching today who are uh, struggling through a train wreck, through some sorrow, through some uncertainty, through some difficulty, maybe some anxiety. And God, I pray that today's the day that they're free from that. I pray today's the day they see Jesus differently. I pray today's the day Jesus becomes real in their life. And I pray in Jesus' name, and everybody said. Amen. Amen. Cool, cool. Let's go. James chapter two. Let's start, excuse me, James chapter one. Let's start in verse two. James writes this, count it all joy, my brothers, just meaning everybody, all people, right? When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or perseverance. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Like perfect, Really? <laughs> Complete? Lacking nothing? I think I want some of that, don't you? Like, come on. Like, like what does that mean? Somebody, somebody write perfect in the comments right now, right? We know that we want to lack nothing. We know we want more of something that's good. We know we could always use more. And this is what the promise of James has for us. Now, let me tell you a little bit about, about James. Like, James was the brother of Jesus. 
Now, early on, he was a skeptic. But we know from his life, man, that he experienced an overwhelming transformation. The early history of the church says that James was such a man of prayer that he was on his knees so often that these huge calluses formed that looked like the knees of a camel, right? I mean, he was a man of prayer. We also know James was martyred in Jerusalem. He was pushed off the high point of the temple and it didn't kill him. So they stoned him, right? Can you imagine that kind of trial, right? And imagine, imagine his daily life as a kid. I mean, he was the savior of the world's brother. Come on. Like every day he got, couldn't you just be more like your brother Jesus? Right? Every day. He woke up every day experiencing that. Now, now what turned him from a skeptic to a saint? Like how could someone who faced all these trials say to count it all joy, right? What transformed him? It was the train wreck of Jesus' death and burial and resurrection, right? He saw Jesus die, his brother, he witnessed it. Then he saw what God did through that train wreck to bring about resurrection. Listen, listen, some of us today, we need to believe that today, right? We need to believe that through the train wreck, through the difficulty, through the tears, through the sorrow, through the hardship, through the scraped knees and sleepless nights, man, through the hopelessness that God can bring about resurrection transformation, right? Come on, right? We need to experience that today in the same way that James did. See, so James points out how we handle trials, right? He says, count it joy when you meet trials of various kinds. He points out how we should handle them as they come. He says, listen, when you meet them, right? When you meet them, they're coming. And we all, we talked about this this last few weeks. We know trials are coming, right? Storm clouds will form. We're gonna face them in life. You know, I love what Rick, how Rick Warren describes this. You know, Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback, wrote Purpose Driven Life, like, you know, one of the best-selling books of all time, right? The same year that he wrote that book, his wife Kay was diagnosed with cancer, right? And he says he used to think of life like hills and valleys, highs and lows, but now he thinks about it as two rails, right? Two rails. On one rail, he's got good things. On one rail, sometimes there's difficult things, bad things, and sometimes they just, they always run together. That's kind of how life works, right? Train wrecks will happen. And James isn't just talking about a, a minor kind of train wreck. He's not talking about your air conditioner going out when you got a house full of people, right? <laughs> He's not talking about when your septic system goes rogue at Thanksgiving and all your family's over, right? That, that's, that's not fun. That's not what he's talking about. James meets us in the nitty gritty of our lives. Man, not just in theory, but in practice. Man, he's not someone who just sits in this ivory tower and hasn't experienced trials. He meets us in a way that's hyper relevant to how we live. Listen, what James is talking about, hospitalizations and chemotherapy, funerals and unemployment. He's talking about persecution. He's talking about difficult marriages and rebellious kids, man. He's talking about too much month at the end of the money. And James says to count it joy, joy. Like, let's just acknowledge how crazy this sounds. Like, so counterintuitive. Trials, train wrecks, storms, man, they're bad. They hurt. Tears, anxiety, grief, man, it is real. Like, how do we count them as joy? Listen, now, we all know the cliches we're supposed to use when something goes wrong. Like, if you've been in Christian circles for a while, you've read enough coffee cups to know what to say during a bad time. Right. Like, like one of the things that somebody always wants to say is like, God's going to use it for your good. Right. We, we, we've we've said that we've heard it, you know, and, and the way I can't, you know, sometimes I just want to walk up to that person, 
punch him in the face and say, hey, was that good? Like, how did that work out for you, right? You know, sometimes I really don't care that God is going to use it for my good. I just want the pain to stop. That's what I want to stop. Not my life. I want the pain to stop. So many times what happens in trials is we just want to stop. We don't know how to move forward. We don't know what steps to take. We don't know if it's possible. We don't have the energy to move forward. We don't have the desire to move forward. Now, listen, the reason why stopping can be so devastating is that for some people, they stop in their train wreck and it becomes their identity, right? Like, let me say this again. Sometimes we stop in our train wreck and our tragedy becomes our identity. We adopt that as who we are, right? Rather than allowing God to use it to transform us, what happens, it becomes who we are. And we use it as a label to label ourselves and we, we never move out of it. Now, now I'm, not, I'm not implying that we just move on, right? I'm not saying we just get over it. As a matter of fact, there's some situations in life, some pain that we face that we don't just get over. For some people, we'll always walk with a limp the way Jacob did in the Old Testament. Listen, but that limp is evidence of God's faithfulness, not in my pain. Man, train wrecks don't have to define us. Even in the midst of that pain, man, God doesn't want the tragedy to be our permanent identity. God wants to give us something more in the middle of this. Like, ask yourself, are, are you still defining yourself by the pain of a train wreck? Man, do you dread certain dates of the year because they remind you of what you lost Man, what James is trying to help us with is we can do it differently. With the gospel, we can live this differently. We can engage in this process of transformation where God will use it to change us. Now, some people don't just identify with it, right? They just bury it. I can remember my dad used to tell me this. He's, you know, if I'd fall and scrape my knee, my dad would say, hey, just spit on it, right? <laughs> just spit on it. In other words, just, yeah, put some dirt on it, right? Just, just, just. Just keep moving. Just ignore it is what he was trying to say. And some people don't want to talk about their train wreck. They bury it deep down. Print to 10, everything's just fine. Paint this smile on their face. Say, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. And while that's true, man, it doesn't resonate from a place of deep healing and hope. And that's what they've been told that a person of faith does. And nobody knows how it's holding them back. And it's keeping them from living the life that God has created for them. And here's what I think James wants us to know. We may be confused. We may be frustrated. We may be angry. We may feel like we're in the dark about what God is doing. But what James is saying is that we don't have to be in the dark about what God is doing because we are not in the dark about God. Wow. And we just sang about a good God, didn't we? And even when we can't see it, God's good. Even when we can't feel it, God is good. We serve a good God. Listen, James says trials are used to test our faith. I mean, it's very simple. It says when you meet trials of various kinds, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Man, God's testing our faith in trials. Now, this is a pass-fail kind of test. This kind of test is like a test to prove what's genuine. It's the type of testing that proves the quality of something or the worth of something, usually through adversity, right? Adversity. Just think about it. You buy a diamond for somebody, you want to test it through some pressure to be sure it's really a diamond. You don't want to fake. You want one that's real. Like if you buy some gold, you can test it through a refining process in the heat. You want it to be real. And so James is saying, God is testing, showing to us the genuineness of our faith. He's showing us what is good, but also what's weak. You see, train wrecks aren't just for punishment, right? 
They're not for punishment. They are they're for transformation. We can never forget that, right? We can never forget it. We need to have a category in our mind that difficult times, difficult times aren't for our punishment, man, but they are for our transformation. And this is the story of Job, right? You remember the story of Job. A lot of people may not even know the story of Job, but they know that you have bad things happen. That's uh, that's Job, right? Bad things and Job go together like peas and carrots, right? That's what happens, right? The beginning of the story, you know, the story of Job opens up with this great man of faith and how much God has blessed him and all that he's accumulated. And then Satan comes to God and God actually says, have you seen Job? In other words, what God is saying have you considered testing Job? Now, he's not saying that because Job is close to the line of wrecking his marriage, right? He's not saying that because Job was out at the club all night doing God knows what, right? <laughs> he's not saying that because Job's about to embezzle like $20 million from his company. Man, man, he's saying Job's in the game. Job's faith is growing. He's testing Job not to punish him, right? He's not leaving Job alone either just because he's got it together. He's testing someone who has a strong, stable faith. Listen, God knows there's always room for us to grow. Now listen, I think we, I know I struggle with trials and maybe, maybe we do, maybe you do, because I value comfort over most things, right? S- somebody, somebody put comfort in the comments. Like, listen, we like comfort. Somebody write their favorite comfort food in the comments, like fried chicken, right? Hamburger, uh, curly fries, like whatever it is. Like, what's your favorite comfort? We value comfort, man. Listen, I want to be in my comfort zone. I want to be comfortable. I like my comfortable, my comforter to be comfortable, right? I like comfort, but nobody ever changed for the good in their comfort zone. Like this is last week. I went to get this MRI. I had been having this hip problem. And so I went to get an MRI. And the way they were doing this particular MRI is they put, they inject some dye into your joint so that the MRI can read it. I don't know if it was just for extra money, but it, they, they, right here, I'm getting a needle. And so they kind of get me prepared. They get it all sterilized and I'm laying there. And the doctor asked me, are you allergic to anything? I'm like, yes, I am. And so they stop, right? And they say, what are you allergic to? And I said, Pain. I am allergic to pain, right? I, I want my comfort. I, I, don't want, I don't want to experience pain. And listen, one reason that we struggle with trials to find joy in them and understand how to move through them and to be transformed by them is because we love comfort, right? Another reason that we struggle with trials is that for most people, we don't have this goal of becoming more than we are today, Right? We don't have a goal of growing. We don't have a goal of becoming better. We don't have a goal of our character becoming stronger and more stable. We just have a goal of getting through tomorrow or accumulating something for my comfort. But as someone who follows God, listen, he's in the business of our growth. It is what you sign up for when you decide to follow Jesus. I love the way Paul said it, right? Paul said, forgetting what lies behind, I strain forward what lies ahead, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I love this idea of progress, transformation. I'm not always going to be who I am today, right? Paul wrote in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verse 16, I believe. Let me read it for us. Yeah, chapter four, let me start in verse, uh, yeah, verse 17. He says, for this light momentary affliction 
is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So in other words, what we're experiencing now is preparing us for later. And then he says this, we don't look at the things that are seen, our train wreck, our pain, our circumstances, our tears, our sorrow. He says, but we look at things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient or they're, they're, they're passing away, but the things that are unseen are eternal, right? What Paul is saying is that what is eternal is what's going to last. This is how I should set my focus. My eyes should be on eternity. Listen, there's no change without challenge. Has any growth for you physically, intellectually, emotionally as a person come in those times when everything's gone your way, right? That every choice you made was perfect. It's generally not how it happens. We learn through hard times. We grow by being tested. We learn by being challenged. It's how all of us have changed. Man, I love how James says this, he says, when you meet trials, right? When you meet trials, it makes me think of meeting somebody that I know. I think about this, you you meet a friend for lunch and maybe you get there early because you're an on-time kind of person, that's a great kind of person to be, right? Um, You're on time, you get there early, you're waiting for them to get there, you can order their meal, you can order their drink because you know them. When you know something, you can prepare for them. You can do the same with people that you don't necessarily get along with or connect with. You don't have chemistry, right? Maybe you work with some people like that, right? You, not us, right? You, not us. But maybe there's some people you know are going to be a challenge. There's going to be a lot to handle. What happens is you know how to prepare for a meeting. You know they're going to require extra energy, maybe extra focus. Listen, you can prepare. Listen, and the more trials we meet, the more we're prepared for the next one. Listen, because we we met them before, like we've been there before. It reminds me of what Mother Teresa says and kind of my own paraphrase. She says, I know that God won't give me more than I can handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. <laughs> and what a, what a great quote, man. I can be prepared for a trial. I can act like I've been there because I know trials are the arena where my growth happens. Listen, don't, don't forget this. This trial, this train wreck, 2020, it's the arena where growth happens, where I see things differently where I can grow more, where I can find some blind spots, where I can see a better future. Listen, when we're enduring a trial, we're going to be like, okay, like I don't quite fully understand what's happening right now. But here's the deal. I know God's changing me. He's chiseling me out. He's shaping me. He's forming me. He's removing pride and independence. And he's helping me grow in peace and kindness. He's forming me more and more into the image of Jesus. Because I know what happens in a trial. I'm praying more, right? Right? I'm, 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 I'm around God's people more. Right? I'm more aware of my need for God. Like This is why people will go through difficulty. And a lot of times you'll hear them say, I wouldn't do it again, but I, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. And the reason why is that they recognize that what's happened in them couldn't have happened without difficulty. They realize the only way they could have gotten to a new place in life where they had more peace where they had more confidence in God, where they had this different perspective, where they had rearranged priorities, more wisdom, was to go through difficulty, to go through a train wreck. Now, now James says this. He says that the testing of your faith, the trial, produces steadfastness. Like this is also a word that's translated a lot of times perseverance. Not to be confused with patience, they're different, right? Patience means I'm just going to sit in traffic and wait, right? Um, But perseverance means going to keep going, right? It's not a passive waiting, but an active endurance. It's not so much a quality that helps me sit quietly, but it's this quality that helps me finish a marathon, 
right? There's this old, old saying that says the only way out is through. You've heard this. The only way out is through. You get in the middle of something and you can't just jump out of it, right? There's no Star Trek, beam me up, Scotty, right? We got to go through it. And we can't go through it if we're just sitting still, paralyzed, ignoring, or just waiting. Man, steadfastness is this hopeful force that resists paralysis, right? I've got some, some of my favorite quotes on perseverance and steadfastness. Perseverance is the hard work you do after you finish the hard work you did. <laughs> Spurgeon said this, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. <laughs> That's quite an image. <laughs> uh, man, there's a Navy SEAL that said this. I don't stop when I I'm tired. I'm, I stop when I'm done. <laughs> Henry Ward Beecher, great pastor in Brooklyn, uh, part of kind of... Um, uh, helping free slaves during the slavery of the 1800s. He said this, men's best successes come after their disappointments. And of course, Churchill, the master of quotes, said, success consists of going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm, right? Listen, this skill, this steadfastness, this active endurance, it is vital, indispensable, and critical for us to move forward in any way, right? And it's always forged best in times of difficulty. Listen, we need more of this quality. We need more of it in every area of our lives. We need more of it in our marriages, don't we? Listen, we need more men who will love their wives the way Christ loved the church, who will stand in the gap and fight for them when things are hard, when things don't seem clear, when things don't seem like they're going to work out. We need more wives who will stand and fight to love their husbands, even when their husbands aren't completely living up to the standard that Jesus said. Man, we need to fight for this in our friendships. We need to be the kind of people that dig holes in roofs to let our friends get in front of Jesus. Man, that we will let nothing stop us. Listen, we need to work like this with this type of perseverance that we do all for the glory of God, whatever that we do. Hey, listen, we need more of this in churches all across the country. Listen, church is difficult right now, isn't it? It's a little different, but listen, we know we can make a difference. We know Jesus died for us. We know the name of Jesus is worth it. And James says, this is what trials produce. Trials produce perseverance. And right now, this is what God wants to produce in you it's what God wants to produce in our church and in your family. We need a mentality that says we won't quit. We won't stop. We won't back down, even though it seems difficult right now. Hey, some of you right now, you're watching with your kids. I get that is not ideal, right? It is difficult. It is not ideal. But guess what? You're a hero. You know why? Because your kids are watching your priorities right now. You're raising kids that in 10 years, 20 years are going to be leading another generation, leading your grandkids. So way to go. Way to stick it out. Even in times when you may hear one word every 15 minutes. We understand that. You're a hero. Listen, James, James, James. How do we redeem, redeem trials? Like, how can these train wrecks produce steadfastness? We get it at the very beginning of verse two. Count it all joy. Yeah. Listen, count it all joy. Now, I love for the word count has some different nuances, right? But, but, but joy, count, the word count literally means to have authority over, right? And see, I'm not just going to endure trials, but the command of God is to have joy in them, right? Like, how is that possible? Man, sometimes people mistake that James is saying, enjoy your trial, right? Have fun in your trial. Can you imagine just getting, you know, 
getting diagnosed with some crazy disease, like, hey, we're going to go have a party. Anybody got cake? Like, that's not what James is saying at all. And we mistake James for saying that we enjoy it. But James is saying, listen, count it all joy. James is saying that trials are used in the best possible way, even when we can't see it. Someone in the, in the worship, uh, someone who was leading worship just a minute ago before we got into the message said this, like, God is good even when my circumstances aren't, right? When my circumstances are not good, God is good. And this is how joy can make its way into our lives. Listen, trial can actually go in the win column of the joy battle. And not just any joy. He says, consider it all joy, right? Pure joy, Total joy, not just a little joy, not contaminated joy, but all joy. Now, the word for count, as I was saying a minute ago, it means to lead, right? It means to have authority over. It means to go before. So when something's leading, it means it goes before you. So in other words, here's what I think James is trying to tell us. Let joy lead the way, right? Hey, let joy lead the way. Somebody drop joy in the comments right now. Listen, let joy be your leader. Let joy lead the way, man, through the train wreck. Don't let pain lead the way. Don't let sadness lead the way. Don't let tears lead the way. But joy, let joy lead the way. Man, count also implies our thoughts, not just our emotions, yeah. right? It's our thoughts. It's how we, it's how we're, we decide, yeah. right? We, we, have, we have power over that. Yeah, it's not just our emotions. Our emotions are going to tell us to scream in frustration, or at least mine are, yeah. right? But our minds have this option of doing something else. We can choose. We can choose to look at the facts, to make a careful assessment of the situation, and we can look to Jesus and choose a completely different response. Man, joy has the final word. We need to let joy lead the way. Listen, joy is the lighthouse that keeps us from running aground. Joy is the north star that points the way home. Listen, joy is the filter that takes a train wreck and transforms it into a testimony, right? This is joy. Let joy lead the way. Listen, joy may not seem obvious. It may not feel automatic. It's not how we naturally see in the middle of a struggle, but it's a decision that we make that leads to transformation. Listen, we all know outlook determines outcome, right? How two people can experience the same circumstances, but completely differently, right? It's because of their outlook. It's because of what they're expecting. And that's what James is saying. Let joy lead the way. So, so how do we do that? Practically, what does that look like, right? The first thing that we need to notice about what James says is, James says, count it all joy, my brothers. Now, that also means brothers and sisters. He's just trying to address the collective of people. And here's what we need to know. As we talked a little bit about, like last week, as Joey spoke about, so many people, man, when they're alone, have no joy. Man, they are bitter, they're angry, depressed, discouraged. And listen, left to my own thoughts and your own thoughts, man, we can think of worst case scenarios. Man, we can get pessimistic in a hurry. Man, loneliness creeps in, doubt creeps in. Listen, but if somebody is in your corner to help, man, I can keep perspective. This is one way it came up in a meeting this week. Like, so if you're looking for somebody to help you with joy, you know what you need? You need a joy coach. That's what you need, right? You need a joy coach. You need somebody who's a seven on the Enneagram where everybody, every, every time you see them, something's positive. Like we have a couple of those on staff. Joe Baker's probably number one on the list. And when you're around somebody like that, man, they're positive and they're not faking it, right? They're not faking it. They're just faithful. They truly believe in the goodness of God and what God's going to do. Listen, you need to find somebody like that. And it could be a lot of work. Listen, but it's going to be worth it. Hey, first thing, you need a joy coach. 
Hey, listen, the second thing that happens if you want to count it all joy, right, is to literally count the times when God's been faithful, right? Literally count them, write them down, remember them, count them. Listen, you can read some of the great stories of God's deliverance in the Bible, right? Identify with someone in the Bible who's maybe facing the same type of train wreck that you're facing, right? Maybe you feel like you're staring at the, man, just the impossible train wreck and you're just standing before this great, great impossibility. You can identify with Moses who stood in front of the Red Sea and what happened? God parted the Red Sea for Moses. Listen, maybe you're facing a great battle and you need God's presence desperately. You can identify with Joshua, the great warrior who conquered the promised land. Listen, maybe you're facing a great health challenge today. Man, you can remember the sick woman who just reached up and grabbed the hem of Jesus' cloak. It was made whole. Listen, more than that, we can remember the times that God's been faithful in our own lives, right? We have so much to be grateful for. So many times that God has come through. Man, we can literally count all that God has given us. So many times it's easy to count what's, what's wrong, to count what's missing, to count what I don't have, what's not working. Listen, we have to fight to count it all joy, right? Listen, next, first you need, to, you, need to, you need a joy coach. You need to count, literally count, right? And then you just need to take a step forward. You just need to take a step forward. You need to do something, right? The first step may be to remove some debris from the train wreck that's landed on you, that's weighing you down. That may be a good move for you. The first step may be asking someone to help you. The first step may be just telling somebody about your train wreck. I think for a lot of people, the first step is to be honest with yourself about the train wreck that's defining you. Be honest about how you've handled that train wreck in your past. Listen, we can be paralyzed in a train wreck. We don't know what to do. And sometimes, sometimes doing the wrong thing is better than doing nothing at all. Listen, count this also. Last thing, right? First thing, we'll get a joy coach. Second thing, we're going to count. Next thing is we're just going to take a step. Hey, lastly, man, put your eyes on eternity. Count this opportunity, this train wreck, as an opportunity to tell the story when you get to heaven, right? Yeah. Like I only, I always dream and imagine of that banquet table we could just sit around in heaven. Man, and we just get to tell stories and we'll all get to see each other and tell stories about what happened during this time when we were together and you'll get to do the same and how we responded and what we did and where we laughed and where we got it wrong. Man, count this right now. This COVID 2020 is an opportunity for us to tell stories in eternity. An opportunity to tell stories in eternity, right? And listen, the reason why we can do that is it's because Jesus gave us this as an example. Yeah. Man, Jesus gave us this as an example. Jesus came and got in the middle of train wrecks, like my train wreck, like your train wreck. Wow. Like some, some would have considered his life a train wreck. Like think about what happened. Man, he left all the comfort of heaven to be in the chaos of our world. Man, he went from being on a throne and worshiped to being rejected and misunderstood, beaten, executed, never traveled more than a few dozen miles from his hometown. His closest followers deserted him at the time of his greatest need. Like, listen, listen what the Bible says about this. Paul's writing about this experience of Jesus, and he says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, in other words, since there's so many people who have endured train wrecks with joy and honor and faith, it says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance, perseverance, steadfastness, 
the race is set before us. And here's, here's the key, right? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Can somebody just write Jesus in the comments right now? Just write Jesus in the comments. The founder, perfecter of our faith. Who? Who? Watch what he did. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, right? Paul says that we can run with endurance as we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Man, that Jesus set joy before him. Jesus let joy lead the way, right? He knew the end of the story, the restoration, the transformation that is coming our way. Listen, Jesus is our great joy. Jesus is the founder of our faith. He's the great finisher of our faith. He counted suffering as joy because he knew there was transformation through the train wreck. Hey, how do you need to count joy today, right? How do you need to count it all joy today? What trial have you let define you, become everything about you? What struggle storm cloud has darkened your thoughts and your life? What difficulty just continues to shake you every day? Fills you with anxiety, with discouragement and just sadness? Where have you been paralyzed? Where have you just been waiting for something to be over? Listen, James says this, let joy lead the way through because it's the arena of God's greatest work, man. Today is the day to move forward and do the next thing you know to do. Quit waiting, count it as joy and God's doing a great work. Count it as joy, God's transforming you. Count it as joy, you can be transformed through the train wreck. Let's pray together. God, we're just so grateful that you allow us to be transformed. And God, I just know that there are people listening to my voice, God, that have been through some immense tragedy, some deep, horrendous pain. And God, I know you want to use it to transform them, God. And if they could lift their eyes to you, just to count it as joy, man, just to be able to count it as joy, to let the joy of the Lord be their strength, God, that while weeping may last for a night, joy comes in the morning, God, that you would just help them to be able to count it as joy. And listen, as we pray together, wherever you are online, in the room, we're gonna pray together. I know there's some people, man, you, you've let difficulty define you, you've become bitter at God, you've, you've been mad at God, you've blamed God, and now you know. Listen, God, God didn't cause us to punish you, right? God's in the middle of it to transform you. And the way that that happens is by you just making a step to follow Him. You know, the Bible says this, if we confess in our heart, if we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, God immediately steps into our lives. Listen, I just wanna lead you in a brief prayer so that you can commit to follow Him today. That first step in you letting joy lead the way is to let Jesus lead the way. Let me pray for you. Just as, as I'm gonna pray, man, you just follow along in your heart or even out loud wherever you are as I pray for you. Dear God, I've let my pain lead the way, my bitterness lead the way, my skepticism lead the way. And today I choose to let Jesus lead the way. I confess Jesus is my Lord and I commit to follow Him for the rest of my life. You know, the Bible teaches us when that happens, right? your new creation. Old things have passed, new things have come. Listen, I wanna help you mark that moment today. I want this to be a turning point in your journey of pain today. Man, I want this to be an inflection point where you see things differently and to help you mark that moment, I'm just gonna ask you to do something that we would do if we were in the building. I'm just gonna to count to three. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. So listen, if today, if you prayed that today to follow Jesus on the count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, three, just raise your hand, yeah. 
Raise your hand. You can raise it where you are. Drop a hand raise in the comment section, man. We would love to celebrate with you. Yeah, we're, I'm believing that God's going to use this time, our worship, our, our online presence to be able to see people transformed today. God, we know that, uh, man, that Jesus came to give us life and freedom, that we can look to the example of Jesus, the fact that he died for us to know that you're good. We really only need to count one thing, and that's the gospel, right? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so, God, we just cling to that today in hope. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.